Ah, yeah, there's people there. No, it's not so bad. I can actually see without, oh, I've come on sound as well. Yeah, I can actually see. Not too bad. I can at least drive without glasses, but I can't read without glasses, so you, you wouldn't get a proper message. So, um, thank you so, so much, Trina. Welcome back, and uh, on that fantastic worship. Um, I asked Patrick last week uh, who was preaching, because I, I didn't know what I was going to talk about. Well, I, I knew that it was going to be Jesus the Cornerstone, but apart from that, I didn't know where that God was going to lead me, and uh, so he must have whispered to, uh, to Trina, or the Holy Spirit worked amongst us, and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Amen. Praise God for that. You see, it's just incredible, isn't it? God is so good, as we've been singing. Uh, he works for myself, works for Trina, works for all different people here. And so, Jesus, the cornerstone. Matthew 21, verse 33 to 46. Let me read the part which says this within that passage. Matthew 21, verse 42, and this is quoted from Psalms 118, 22, and 23. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the Scriptures, The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvellous in his eyes. This is my last talk on the parables of Jesus, and when I speak next, in September, we'll be looking at an Old Testament character. Last night, I actually received a text from Monica saying, do you want to do Mordecai or Josiah? So, quickly Google. <laughs> See, uh, but I haven't decided yet. So if you have any favorites, Mordecai or Josiah, you can help me as I, as I pray about which character to, to speak on. So praying and your suggestions are, are very welcome. Come and see me afterwards. Also to learn more about the Men's Fellowship, if you're a man. Um, <clears throat> now, as I have shared in the previous parable talks, I love them because they are easy to understand, easy to remember, and easier to relate to the listener's circumstances. Now, Monica's already mentioned, don't change the slide yet, Monica's already mentioned that uh, sometimes I do have a little prize in my sermon. And yesterday we were in the supermarket in Muyenga, and um, I looked at the Skittles, and I said, oh, I don't need any. There's no prize tomorrow in the sermon. There's something else. So, uh, but Harriet says, you always have a prize in your sermon. So, uh, so anyway, I got the Skittles. Here's the Skittles. So, sorry, uh, Jerry's at a disadvantage because he was away. But uh, what were the two previous... You have to be quick on this one because I think many people will know. What were the two previous parables that I spoke on? Yeah, lady in the red. Uh huh. Parable and the sower and so Gloria, you know. <laughs> I don't know if conferring is allowed. Anyone else? You can get half a packet if it's a team effort. You can share. Ah, the weeds and the tears. Yeah, very good. So, ladies, you'll have to come and share. Can I ask Monica to pass it? All right, let me uh, just run down. <laughs> there we go. Well done, yes. Parable of the sower. That was last time. And uh, before that, that's why the memory's a bit faded, parable of the wheat and the tares, wheat and the weeds, however. So, we can continue the slides now. My first parable was on the wheat and the weeds, where we recognize that evil exists and has an impact on the world in general 
but also on ourselves as we walk the Christian path in obedience to Jesus. We looked at various seeds as a picture of our diversity in the church and that, that we need to, to offer what God has given us to produce the good harvest. Our challenge was, can, we, can the difference be seen? Can the difference be seen? The soya, the peas, the beans. Can the difference be seen? We then looked at the parable of the sower, with its story about the seed falling on different areas, on the paths, on the rocks, on the thorns, and on the good soil. We didn't spend too much time on the interpretation of the parable because Jesus did himself, but rather how we could ensure that more seed falls on the good soil through friendship, through, through what? Can you remember? Four ships. Oh, maybe it's there already. There's no prize for this. One? <laughs> friendship. Two? Uh, I forgot myself now. Fellowship. Three? Monica's already mentioned it today. You're going there after church? Discipleship. And the fourth one we did earlier this morning as well? Worship. Yeah, yeah. So how we can make more seed fall on the good soil through friendship, through fellowship, through discipleship, and through worship as a body of Christ. As a reminder of the good soil we all need to benefit from, we planted some seeds. Ta-da! And uh, in a basin. And these have now grown into a wonderful display of young crops. A picture of the potential of when good seed is sown in good soil. A farmer went out to sow. Now, I've got here, discuss the basin. What crops do we have here? Maize. This one's maize, yeah. This one? Sunflower. These ones? Beans. Now, you can't see, but down here, what's this? Oh, weeds, yeah. Weeds are growing in our good soil. And what did the parable say? These will be weeded out at the end times. They'll be thrown away. So this is a lovely diversity. This is how we are as a church here in KIC Leboa. Some of us are beans, some of us are sunflowers, some of us are maize. Maybe, sadly, some of us are weeds. But we're growing together. And we can't survive on, if we just ate beans, we wouldn't survive. If we just ate maize, we wouldn't survive. If we just ate sunflower, we'd get runny stomachs. We can't survive. It's that diversity that makes our church, that makes our congregation possible. And... Uh, but um, it needs to be cared for. Now they're becoming too many. I said to Harriet, are we going to take this home at the end of the service? Because they're all going to compete with one another too much. But that's not the case in the church. In the church, we really complement one another. Some are great at worship. Some are great out there doing the children's church. Some of us try and speak a little bit. Others of us do the wonderful tea and coffee at the end. So many different ways, so much diversity in the church, that we can serve Jesus. Different types, different growth rates. Oh yeah, different growth rates. Now they've sort of caught up. When we last saw it a couple of weeks ago, I think the sunflowers were much smaller, but now the sunflowers are overtaking the others. So, uh, so that's how it is. You know, we encourage one another to grow. And um, 
But anyway, so we'll come back to that in a moment. Uh, not in a moment, at the end, actually. But let us now read our text for today, which includes the parable of the tenants in the vineyard. Uh, that's what I'm talking about, tenants in the vineyard. Matthew 21. It's a little bit long, but not too long. Let me read it to, uh, to us. Matthew 21, verses 33 to 46. Jesus says, Listen to another parable. There was a landlord, landowner who planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a wine press in it, built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to collect his fruit. The tenants seized the servants. They beat one, killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them, more than the first time. And the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Let's kill him and take his inheritance. So they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? He will bring those wretches to a wretched end, they replied. And he will rent the vineyard to other tenants who will give his share of the crop at harvest time. Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures? The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and is marvelous in his eyes. Therefore I tell you that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people who will produce fruit. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone who falls on it will be crushed. When the chief priests and Pharisees heard Jesus' parable, they knew he was talking about them. And they looked for a way to arrest him. But they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. And as we look at this parable today and the associated statements from Jesus and those he was talking to, I want to focus on three key issues. Jesus, fullness. John 10 verse 10, we'll read it in a minute. Jesus knocking, Revelation 3.20, we'll read it in a minute. Jesus, cornerstone, Ephesians 2, 2 verse 20, we'll read it at the end. You will have noticed the common theme is Jesus. And that is because this power, in this parable, Jesus is describing himself and the salvation plan of God up to the point that this parable is spoken and even beyond as it references the sacrifice of the owner's son and the ultimate judgment of those who do not believe and produce fruit. The chief priests and the Pharisees knew that Jesus was referring to them as he spoke. Matthew 21, verses 45 and 46, we just read. When the chief priests and Pharisees heard Jesus' parable, they knew he was talking about them. They looked for a way to arrest, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. The priests and the Pharisees knew their scriptures back to front and would put all of us to shame in regard to their scripture knowledge. At that time, the Old Testament, of course. They knew the commands, not just the Ten Commandments, but the many other references of how to live. And they kept them to the letter in their actions, but not in their hearts and minds. 
They also knew the history of the prophets right up until John the Baptist and why God was sending them. But they were the ones who ignored the messages. And finally, they also knew about the references of the coming Messiah. And they chose to reject him even as they faced him in person, not wishing to believe, but instead to kill. This is one of the verses they knew. Isaiah 53 and verse 8. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who out of this generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was punished. So let us consider Jesus through the parable we are focusing on today. Firstly, Jesus' fullness. John 10, 10. Could have had prizes, I guess, because they're all very well-known verses. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. As Jesus, of course, speaking. The owner of the vineyard in the parable did everything to make the place fully functional. He cleared the slide, he planted the vines, he constructed the wall, he dug a pressing pit, which is where they make the juice from the wine, and he built a watchtower to guard it. It was a big investment and would not be done overnight. It takes time for these vines to grow. But at the end of the day, it had everything that was needed to establish a profitable wine business. Of course, this reminds us of God's goodness, the provision of all that Adam and Eve needed in the Garden of Eden. A challenge of us, to us all not to worry up to the, this present day and the opportunity to live life to the full. As Jesus states in that verse we just read, John 10 and verse 10. The vineyard tenants had everything they needed. All they had to do was to give an agreed share of their harvest for rent. They didn't even have to pay money. They would just come and they'd give something of the harvest to the landlord. For us, we have the promise of Christ to have life to his full. But as with the vineyard tenants, there is a condition. Not in regard to paying rent, of course, but, as, um, but to accept Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. And to demonstrate this by living in obedience to his commands. Commands which do not restrict our lives as Christians, but enable us to live this life to the full. Bring us back to the full provision that Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden. John 15 and verse 10 to 11 says this. It's Jesus speaking again. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Fullness of life, completeness of joy, what lovely promises from Jesus. Secondly, Jesus knocking. Revelation 3 verse 20 says, Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person, and they with me. The picture is by a chap called William Holman Hunt, and helps us to visualize the words of Revelation 3.20. But I wonder why this verse sprang into my mind and the picture came to mind as we, as we read, or as I read, Matthew 21. 
It's because the decision to welcome Jesus into our lives is ours. We need to open the door. Jesus is on the outside knocking to come in. We need to open the door and let Jesus into our lives. He is not a thief and will not break into our lives, but he is patient and he will wait all of our earthly lives if necessary for us to hear that knocking and to open the door. This is what the parable of the tenants in the vineyard is describing, the salvation plan of God working from the time of Adam and Eve first sinned and ate the forbidden fruit until the ta- till when the time is right, Jesus will come again to end all things as they currently are. Revela- Let's read a little about this. Revelations 1, 5b and to 7. To him who loves us <coughs> and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all people on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. There's a lot we don't maybe understand in those verses, but it will happen. Jesus will come again. The vineyard owner sent some servants to collect the crop share, rent. They were beaten killed and all stoned. He sent more servants and the same thing happened to them. And then he sent his own son, believing that they would respect who he was. They didn't respect him. But they did know exactly who the son was and thought, if we kill him, then the vineyard will be ours. But of course, even in our knowledge of how things work in Uganda, we know that this will not be the case. The tenants had no right to ownership of the land. Whatever might happen to the landlord or his family, only the landlord can decide to give or sell it to someone else. Psalms 24 verse 1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. And and, And the Son is Jesus, of course. God the Father gave up to what he knew would be the evil intentions of the so-say religious leaders of that time. And we do not just see this in the Pharisees and chief priests of that time who are mentioned in this parable. Since the time of Jesus until now, those (coughs) in positions of leadership within the church have not followed the example of Christ, but their own desires to have control, wealth and honour. Not anything like the example Jesus gave and gave and the suffering lamb is described in Isaiah 53 where we read a little bit earlier on 1 Peter 2 verse 22 to 24 says this and I use the message because it's easier to understand I think it relates well he never did one thing wrong not once said anything can miss they called him every name in the book and he said nothing back he suffered in silence Content to let God set things right. He used his servant body to carry our sins to the cross so that we could be rid of sin and free to live the right way. Let me finish this section by pointing a rather uncomfortable finger, but very important finger. And the first finger is pointing at me as a speaker in KIC our leadership team within KIC, 
and any other person of influence within KIC. None of us is perfect, but if you ever see any of us abusing that position of influence, please talk to, to me or to anybody else. Or report it to a member of the leadership team who are not involved. Remember what Paul said about this to the Galatian Christians. Galatians 6 verse 14 says, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Which is Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Not about me. Not about Monica. Not about any of us here. If you see anything different, tell me please. And so we come to our final section which is also title of the talk that I chose. Jesus, the cornerstone. Ephesians 2 verse 20 says this, Build on the foundation of the, Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus, Christ Jesus himself, as a chief cornerstone. Now, why is the cornerstone so, so important? I'm not an engineer, but I know many of our friends from the EMI ministry have that skill. But from my limited experience of building bricks with Chanel and playing the occasional Jenga game with friends, the last thing you want to do is to take one of the stones from the foundation, one of those bottom stones. The strength and importance of the cornerstone can be clearly seen in this picture. Now this is actually a church in Taipei. Never visited it. Never been to Taipei. And, uh, but I think it really nicely describes. It's a great um, thing to write on that cornerstone of the church. Remove it and it is likely that the whole building will collapse. We may have the smartest church building. I don't know why it looks. <laughs> but it's not very nice. And it serves the... We may have the smartest church building the largest number of worshippers, the most gifted speakers, the best-dressed congregation, and the list could go on and on. There is nothing wrong with any of these. In fact, they are great, so long as they are all there because Christ is the cornerstone. We can look at church congregations, a body of believers, but we can also look at ourselves. If Jesus is not at the centre of our lives, then it is all worthless. Paul puts it like this. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 1 to 3, well-known passage. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. And what is the essential of love? 1 John 4 verse 8 and 9 says this, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love amongst us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is the message about the parable of the vineyard. It is about God's total love for us. And he demonstrated it through sending Jesus to come and to die for us. So that he could be the eternal sacrifice for our sins. 
You remember our three key issues at the beginning? One, Jesus, fullness. Two, Jesus, knocking. Three, Jesus, cornerstone. Jesus does offer us fullness of life. He is ready to come into our lives as we open the door. And he is the cornerstone, the only person on which the salvation plan of God stands. These are the words of Jesus. Let me finish with these words of Jesus. John 14, verse 6 says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I want... I went down with Chanel yesterday into the forest and I tried to build a small cross. And I'm going to place this cross amongst us, amongst this good seed, KIC, growing here. Because Jesus is the center of KIC Laveur. Jesus is the center of our lives. Jesus is, the, Jesus is the, what made it all possible. I'm going to close in prayer now. So is this, there's a monkey watching me. I'm going to close in prayer now. But as we see this empty cross placed amongst this wonderful garden of good seeds, Perhaps this is a good time for you to come and to sit. I've arranged some chairs in front of that, in front of our garden, in front of our church, in front of the cross of Christ. Perhaps this is a good time for us to just come. Maybe someone to go and get coffee first and then come with your cup of coffee. Maybe others can come straight. Maybe you're okay, you don't need to come. But just in silence, just between you and Jesus, I'm not involved this time. Other times we do things where we do as a fellowship, but this is very much between you and Jesus. Is Jesus your cornerstone? Is Jesus my cornerstone? And let us contemplate quietly before the cross. Let's just pray, and then I'll finish. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you are love. We thank you, God, for sending your Son to come to live amongst us, to die for us. We thank you for all the goodness you've given us in the, in the vineyard description, in, the, in, in our lives, the fullness of life. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we, we know that we've all fallen short of your glory. And yet we'll ask at this time, Lord, as we're reminded through the parable, let us put you as the cornerstone of our lives. Let us be sure that you are the cornerstone here in KIC Lepoa. Lord, where we have weaknesses, where we have issues, Lord, we just bring them before you this morning, before your cross. And Lord, we thank you that you're a loving God, a God whose heart is full of forgiveness. And Lord, if there's anyone here this morning who hasn't yet opened the door, Lord, I pray that this may be the time that they open the door and let you in and experience the salvation of God, the presence of Jesus in their lives. Lord, we thank and praise you. We pray that you be with us through the rest of this week as we go out and we live for you, that we enable your light to shine from us, that we can be cornerstones for the different communities that you've put us in. 
and be a witness to you. In Jesus' precious name, amen. So, I finished.